Welcome to audio from Ballyhalbert Gospel Hall. Listen in as we open God's Word and share how it should impact our lives. We hope it blesses you. So, let's hope that doesn't compost sitting there. But Right, turn to... You turn to Luke chapter 15. And I'll turn to 2 Corinthians 12. I came into work one day there. There's a big lad in a wheelchair. And he said, I'm feeling much better today. You've got to know this big guy. He's a patient. That's all I can say. But he said, I feel much better. I said, "What's, what's, what's up? And he said, can you make me a cup of coffee? And I said, certainly. He said, I feel much better because I thought, he says, I thought I didn't deserve the grace. This is a rough guy. I thought I didn't deserve the grace, but I was praying this morning and reading, and everything's changed. And my first thought was, you misunderstood grace because we don't deserve it. Which got me thinking, because I had spent Monday thinking, after Sunday, last Sunday, preaching here in the evening, what am I going to speak on next Sunday evening, the gospel? And he gave it to me. I thought I didn't deserve the grace. Have you ever thought about grace? And we sung it tonight. You've been reading my thoughts. You've been plugging into my internet. Only by grace can we enter. What is grace? And then here, by the grace of God, I stand. Honestly, that's amazing. Grace. Grace is not a girl's name, by the way. Not initially. But you couldn't give a nicer name to a beautiful baby girl, could you? Because no other creature on earth would deserve such a name as a baby girl. Grace is an amazing thing. We, that song Amazing Grace has stayed in the charts for years and decades and decades it always keeps popping up they sing it on things like X Factor and places like that and we go what are you singing Amazing Grace do they know what they're singing sometimes I don't know and sometimes I think they do and sometimes there are people in that environment that know how to witness and they pull that song out and they say to people grace is amazing you know how amazing grace is the world is a is a such a damaged place satan really done one on every human being when he deceived eve and adam and the consequences of it are so huge we have no idea what a perfect world would be like I had this conversation, <laughs> that guy I told you about, it's a Christian guy working with me for uh, four days, and, and boy was he, 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 never, he never held back in telling people he was a Christian, so when they put two of us in the room with a patient, like it was, uh, and, we had, and we had a conversation one day, I said, you know, if the fall hadn't happened, neither of us would be here in this room, we'd be unemployed. And there'd be no doctors and there'd be no hospitals. There'd be no police and there'd be no ambulances. There'd be no, you'll love this one, Ivan. There'd be no lawyers. 
<laughs> solicitors. There'd be no divorce courts. The, the, the only job I could find, in the, well, though there could be two, the only job I could find advertised in the Bible before the fall was gardening. Wow. And possibly a wee bit of zoology on top of that. But what else? It's the perfect world. Um, I sat there on the beach yesterday morning and I said, Can I, I couldn't walk on the beach. Bally Harbour Beach, when the tide's in, like, you're going to break an ankle. And I've been, I worked on the, the, the ward that deals with that sort of thing for too long for me to go walk in there and break an ankle because, number one, I couldn't listen to the nurses laughing at me every day. But number two, it's just silly. But I sat on the edge of the sea and the sea just kept lapping in and the sun was shining and you could see wee bits of sand here, there and everywhere. So there was the sun, the sea, the sand and then there's thousands of stones out there and they're perfectly round and all the edges are taken off them and that's just tons and hundreds and thousands of tons of water lapping on them for years and decades and centuries. And every single one of them is unique. And boy, that speaks to you about God. The sun was 90, still 92 million miles away, and it burnt my head. <laughs> Unbelievable. 92 million miles away, God made a star that puts out enough heat to burn a person's head from 92 million miles away. If he'd put it 93 million miles away, we'd freeze to death. And he'd have put it 91 million miles away, we wouldn't have needed microwave ovens because we wouldn't have needed anything. We'd be fried. Creation is incredible. But the world's a mess now. The hospital never cools. The beds never cool. They said they would never need... Uh, Corridor beds in the new hospital, we have two on most wards all the time. Sick people just keep on coming. And doctors work around the clock. If you think doctors are not busy, they are busy. And if you think they're not doing their best for you, they are doing their best. I work in a, in a plastics wards now. No, they don't do any private work. Uh, I've asked. <laughs> um, but the things they do, do a plastic surgeon was asked, had he ever done anything outrageous? He said, no, but I've raised a few eyebrows. <laughs> but the things they do do are amazing. They will work for 13 hours in a theatre to save someone's leg. Can you imagine that sort of pressure on you? But you know what? Every human being is broken. Jails, there'd be no jails if the fall if the fall hadn't happened prisons are busting with people and the world is crying out for something and the name of it is grace they want forgiveness they maybe don't even know yeah there's a lot of people who have no time for god but i think there's a lot of people who just want the record cleared and if i said the word you besetting sin and I'm not going to list them because you'll know yours. We all need grace. Do you know the greatest Christian who ever lived, the Apostle Paul, said that 
he had known more about God than he got closer to Jesus and God than anybody else. He said, those false apostles are boasting. So I, I'd be foolish enough to do a bit of boasting myself. And he listed a whole lot of things that had happened to him. And then he said, to keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations that, that were given me, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me. We don't know what that thorn was. Was it a sickness? Was it his eyesight? Was it a person? Was it something he struggled with in his life, in his flesh? And that was referred to this morning, Romans chapter 7. But he said he asked the Lord to take it away. Three times he said, I asked, I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. And imagine Jesus whispering this in your ear tonight, every single one of you. Imagine Jesus whispering this in your ear. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. Whatever you're struggling with, whatever sickness there is in your life, whatever temptation there is in your life, whatever troubles there are going on in your families, whatever's going on and you're praying to God about it and it's not going away, sometimes Jesus just is wanting to whisper in your ear, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So then Paul said, I've got something really to boast about now. Therefore, I'll boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may wrestle me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. We need grace. In, in the Bible, the word grace is mentioned 121 times. I know that because the concordance at the back of my NIV, which is only a small concordance, puts a little asterisk beside it to say this is all the times it is mentioned. And it's eight times in the Old Testament. Now, loving kindness in the Old Testament is the equivalent to grace. So there's more grace in the Old Testament than eight mentions of it, okay? But don't panic, because in the New Testament, there's, a hundred, there's 121 in the whole Bible, which leaves 113 mentions of this word grace in the New Testament. And here's the amazing thing. Jesus never said it once. Jesus didn't have to. The only time it's mentioned in the first three Gospels, the first three Gospels look at the Gospel the same way. Um, from the one eye, so that's why there's so much stuff in them that's the same. But only Luke mentions it once in Luke chapter 2 and verse 40. And he says it about Jesus, and the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. It's Jesus. Do you want another word for grace? It's a boy's name. It's Jesus. John went a lot further, but, but he only mentioned it in chapter 1. But he mentioned it three times in chapter 1 of his gospel, the fourth gospel, the one that looks at things differently. He said it this way. 
John testifies concerning him. He cries out, this is the one of whom I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. I had all of the gospel after that is the story of Jesus. And he doesn't say grace ever. He just is grace. He walks around healing people. He touches lepers to show them he loves them. They haven't been touched for decades. And he puts his hand, they run up and they bow before him or they stand back and they say, heal me. And he goes up and he touches them. And the touching itself is just grace. The lady that had the issue of blood for 12 years, she was unacceptable at Sunday worship. And all she did was sneak up and touch the hem of Jesus' garment. And he turned around and said, power has gone out of me. And he said to her, woman, you're healed. Jesus spoke to her. He didn't have to. It was just grace. Do you need grace tonight? Every one of you need grace. Down that camera, out in that world, I'll tell you, it's a messed up world. If you need a policeman, don't go to a police station. Go to A&E at 7 o'clock in the morning. There are more police cars than there are ambulances. I walk by them every morning. And those people that the police are sitting with need grace. And it only is in one person. Jesus Christ. It's the grace of God that's in Jesus. He was God visiting the planet. He came to show us God. No one has ever seen God as the next verse, John says. But God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. How did he make him known? Full of grace and truth. And he does amazing things. And I ask you to turn to Luke chapter 15. You know this story. The parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and the parable of the lost son. The parable of the searching shepherd, the parable of the searching woman, and the parable of the searching father, I think. Let me read it to you. It's in the context of this. Now, the tax collectors and and sinners, tax collectors. Do you know the people out there deserve grace? Not because they deserve it, sorry, but because God wants to give it to them. So they need us to bring it to them. The most messed up people I, need, I meet in work sometimes are the people who want to listen to me talking to them. They want this. So don't pick the people you think might want it. Just talk to people about it. So here's the people who gathered around Jesus. Look at Luke chapter 15 and verse 1. I just read it. Now the tax collectors and the sinners, the sinners in the NIV has got inverted commas on it. It's the name that the Pharisees had given to the outcast people, the sinners. 
Paul made it clear in Romans 3 and 23, after going on about the Pharisees and the Jews, he said, there is no difference. For all have sinned and fallen short of the, uh, of the glory of God and are justified freely by grace. So they're hungry for Jesus. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering round to hear him. When was the last time you told anybody out there who doesn't know Jesus about Jesus? I know it's hard. But you've got a mouth. Just pretend you're as stupid as me and open it, okay? Just say something. Where are you from? Oh, I'm from Bangor. Oh, I have a friend called Derek Reid. used to go to church in Bangor. That will open a door for you. used to go to church in Bangor. All right, okay. Do you go to church yourself? I don't know. Whatever. No, don't go to church. Well, I do. I was there last night. What were you doing? I was preaching. What were you preaching? Do you preach? Yeah. You're a cleaner. I, I preach sometimes. Godliness is next to cleanliness, by the way. And uh, I, I just talk. Do you know what? The bins are full of rubbish every day. If there hadn't been the fall, I don't think the bins would be full of rubbish. Do you think they'd be bin men? I don't know. There certainly wouldn't be people walking up and down the roads picking up your letter because you threw it out the window. Because that's a sin, you know. You know Mark Thompson? He told me one day he was eating an apple in the car and he, he gave it to Hillary. Uh, and he opened the window and he said, throw that out. And she said, is it, after she let it loose, she said, is that not wrong? And he said, yeah, it might be, but it's, it's, it'll decompose, it's okay. And I said, you know, Mark, that's that, that, that line that the woman did it is actually the first line <laughs> in, in the Bible. So all these people are coming to Jesus. They want to hear about Jesus. There isn't a sinner, a rotten person out there who I say if you got on your own and got talking to wouldn't give you five minutes on this subject. They might push you away after that, but they might want you to stay because it says here that they'd gathered round him, all of them. They wanted to know what he had to say. And guess who muttered about it? But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And it's in this context that Jesus then tells this story. Jesus then told this parable. Suppose one of you had a hundred sheep. And you lost one of them. Would you not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until you find it? And when you had found it, would you not joyfully put it on your shoulders? Go home. And then would you not tell your friends and your neighbours, rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. So this person has a hundred sheep, but he loses one, and he's going to risk the 99 because he loves the one. Now you might talk to a hundred people out there, and there might only be one. But talk to the hundred until you find the one. Because Jesus loves that one. 
These three stories are all about someone searching for something that they've lost. God has lost you, you know. When Adam and Eve fell, God lost you. And grace is the way back. You don't deserve it. It's the gift of God. I tell you the truth, Jesus says. I tell you in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Now, Jesus wasn't saying that the 99 didn't need to repent. He was saying they didn't realize they needed to repent because they thought they were religious enough and good enough to do without it. But boy, when you search your heart, you know you need grace. I walked that shore the day and I needed grace. I know my own heart. I'm not going to tell you about it, but I know it. And I said to myself, what am I doing standing up there preaching? And God said to me, it's nothing to do with you. You know, it's all to do with the righteousness of Jesus. It's not about you. It's about him. And I, I remember that verse. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you to do that. Because my power is made perfect in weakness. Billy Strachan told a story about a, a student who really, really got him down so much. And he, Billy could get grumpy sometimes. Uh, and he said that student just, he, he was so righteous, this student, that he told Billy that he didn't even think Billy was saved. <laughs> Billy said he was so good at it, and it was Christmas time, and there was a party going on down in the lecture theatre, and I couldn't even go to it because he had stolen all my joy. And he said, I went into the office, and he said, I found out how spiritual the office staff were. They had one of those calendars that you tore off a page every day, and he said, there was a Bible verse on it every day, and he said, and I thought, and he said they were so spiritual it was still in August. So he tore them all off and it said on the next one for that day, did you know there was a party in heaven the day you were saved? And Billy said, I just went and got my pink coat and bow tie on and I went down to the party. I don't think he said pink coat and bow tie, but he said he got ready for the party. All right. He did say one time he went preaching in a pink suit, but I think he was just being Billy when he said that. Suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? Right now, whoever you are, you may be feeling so invaluable. What good am I? Everything I do is just... It's not a word you use from the pulpit much, but... Let's be world. That's, that's what they'll say out there. Everything is just crap. My world is just totally messed up. I am worth nothing. As soon as I get out of here, I'm going to look for a fix because it's the only thing that gets me through. I'm worth nothing. Just, just, I'll just give everything to get that next fix. 
I'm no use to my family. I'm no use to anybody. This story is told because this woman is searching for something valuable. It's a day's wages. And she's going to light a lamp and she's going to search and search until she finds it because she needs that day's wages. When she finds it, she calls her friends and her neighbours together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. Wouldn't it be wonderful because you're not, you're not worth nothing. You know, you're worth everything. The fact that you feel rotten about yourself just means you haven't let God unlock your potential. None of us will fully unlock our potential until we get to heaven. We were made for worship. When we get there, we'll unlock our full potential. We'll spend all day, and that really means 24 hours, because there's no night in heaven. We'll be worshiping all the time. God just needs you tonight to repent of whatever that is that you just feel so unworthy about, so valueless, so empty, so nothing. I'll tell you how much he loves you. The world was in such a mess, and you live in it, you know how messed up it is. It would take God himself to visit it, to sort it out, wouldn't it? Well, he did. He came in the form of a baby. He grew up, and when he was 30 years old, he proclaimed himself as the son of God, and he went out preaching and telling everybody that they needed to be saved and that he indeed was their saviour. And then at the end of three years of preaching, he went and did what no one else could do. He lay down and let men nail him to the cross because the price of everybody's sin was death and he was perfect. And so his one death would pay for all of our sin. That is the value God puts on your life. Are you worthless? No, the God of heaven who made the sun that burnt my head from 92 million miles away and has enough sand on the shore that you could never count enough stars in the sky if you made a cube five miles long, five miles wide and five miles deep and you filled it full of grains of sand from that shore out there, packed it down really tight and astrophysicists said on the radio, there's a star in the universe for every grain of sand in that five mile cube. And God made it in an afternoon. And that God loves you so much that he valued you at the price of his son. That is grace. So Jesus says, in the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of over one sinner who repents. Would that be you tonight? Maybe you are a Christian. Maybe you need to repent of something that's been going on in your life. Maybe there is something that you need dealt with afresh. I'm not talking about what was mentioned this morning, a fresh anointing or any of those things. I'm just saying, being real with God. Get back in there. Maybe you've got cold. 
Maybe you've never met him and he's saying to you tonight, you are so valuable. I love you so much. I would go searching for you for a thousand years if I had to, like a lost sheep. And when I find you, I'd put you on my shoulders and I'd carry you home. And you're so valuable to me. You're as valuable to me as a lady who has hardly, she has to her, owns only 10 days wages. And she's lost one and she's going to search for it until she finds it. And I've been searching for you for years. And tonight, in Ballyhalbert, in May 2022, is your night. Don't say no. Boy, you'll feel so different if you say yes. You'll not maybe feel that different, but your life will change literally forever. Now Jesus gets to the nub, and we're going to do this quickly. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. Now we're on to people. The younger son, the younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So, Dad, I can't wait for you to die. I just want your money. That's how he felt. How do you think the dad felt? Father, give me my share of the estate. And the dad, so he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. Jesus is talking from a Jewish background. This guy's in the gutter. He's gone to feed pigs. Jewish people don't even eat pigs. And this guy's gone to feed them. And he was longing. He wouldn't eat pigs if he was at home, but he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. But no one gave him anything. You ever feel at the bottom of yourself? This is where this guy is. Get on board of this story. Be him for a minute. Feel at the bottom. Bottomed out in life. Nowhere else to go. Starving. Rags. I had everything and I've lost everything. I'm such a fool. How can I even show my head above the parapet again? Nelly has a thought. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? My dad's at home. I've, I've said all his workers, boy, is he my... My dad was better than I thought he was. You know, his, his workers are fed better than I am here. They have actually got food to spare. And I am here starving to death. I will set out, go back to my father, 
I'll say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven. Sin's always first against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and he went to his father. And this guy's been feeding pigs. And he stinks and he's in rags. And he doesn't look like the son that left home. I'm sure he's ragged. His hair is just long and filthy. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. Imagine the old guy leaning on a stick every day. He comes out there at five o'clock in the morning just as the sun's coming up. And he stands in the same place and he just scans the horizon every day as he leans on a staff. Been 18 months now. I haven't heard from him. But I'll come out here tomorrow again. And I'll come out here the next day. And he doesn't know how much I love him. And I'll come out here the next day. You imagine this day. Standing, leading on a stick. His eyes are not as strong as he used to be, but he recognises that figure in the distance way off there. And he drops the stick. But while he was a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. For him. He loves that son. He ran to his son. He threw his stick away. The only thing I could think about was the morning Ivan got knocked down on his motorbike and he said he got up and ran after the car and then he realised he had racked his leg and he lay down on the road. But this man was full of adrenaline. He threw the stick away. He's an old man and he just takes off. It's my son. I love him. He's coming home. And the son's all built up. His father runs to him full of compassion for his son. And he ran to his son and he threw his arms around his son and he kissed his son. And the son said, Father, I, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer to be called your, your worthy to be called your son. But he didn't get finished in the speech. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe, the best one. I've been saving the best one. This is grace. He said he saved the best robe for the waster of a son. Because grace is undeserved and Jesus is grace. Put the ring on his finger. Eugene Peterson writes... In the message, put the family ring on his finger. You're mine, son. This ring says you're mine. This robe, I've been keeping it for you. I've been hoping you'd come home. 
You're mine. And I've been fattening up a calf every day since you left. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. found. So they began to celebrate. Are you a son or a daughter this, this evening? Do you have any idea how much your parents love you? Maybe you never got that. And maybe you grew up talking to someone out there, or maybe you grew up with parents who you felt didn't love you, or maybe couldn't show it. But this story is about God's love for you. He watches for you every day that you would come to him and just say you're sorry. You know what? The the son left saying, Father, give me my share. Father, give. And he comes back and he says, Father, forgive. And God just wants to forgive you tonight. He bought your price at the cross for all of your sin. Forgiveness is free. That is grace. That's what Jesus is all about. And that's why he told this story. Ephesians chapter 2 says this. Do you remember the son that was dead and is alive? He was lost and is found. Ephesians 2 says this. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. That's how desperate your life is. You're bound for hell. You have no hope. You were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient. All of us, everyone who's in here that's saved tonight, we were all on that road. If you're ever thinking of going back on that road, take a second look back and think, oh no, don't want to be there again. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. That is what we were heading for, wrath. But, the biggest word in this sentence, but because of his, it's not the biggest word, they're coming now, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. Get this. It is by grace you have been saved. What's grace? His, God's great love for us is grace. Grace is God's great love for us. Only by grace can we enter. Only by God's great love for us can we enter. Only by God's great love for me can I dare to stand here and talk to you from the Bible. I'm a sinner. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, God's great love for us, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. It is 
by grace you have been saved. Not of yourselves, not of works, so that no one can boast. The person who made most of grace in the Bible was called Peter. Every single letter, nearly every single letter in the New Testament starts, grace and peace to you. Grace is at the start of every letter, almost in the Bible, in the New Testament. Peter, who let Jesus down, worse than he was the leader of the 12 apostles, let Jesus down, not as bad as Judas, of course, and he's gone, but Peter's left, and he's supposed to be the leader, and he denies he even knows Jesus. So when he writes a letter, do you know what he writes? Grace and peace be yours, and he adds this, in abundance. Do you know what? No matter what you've done this week, if you're saved, no matter what you've done this week and you're not yet saved, Jesus is the only saviour there is and his grace is sufficient for you because his power actually shines so bright in your weakness. Just come to him. Because you know what? There's grace and peace for you tonight in abundance. Just surrender to that. Say sorry and he'll do the rest. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the gospel. Thank you that it's not about us. Thank you that your grace is just like the sea coming in onto the shore there. It just keeps coming. Like the sun shining down, it beats down on us. The heat of your grace just warms a cold heart. And you just want to make us into whatever you had, had designed us to be. And those waves lapping in will form us the way. Those waves of grace will form us into the thing you want us to be. You'll make us valuable, Lord. You've shown us how much you love us by giving us your son. Show someone tonight. Break into the coldness of their heart and show them that you love them this much no matter how messed up they are. And turn them towards you, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.